Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days of the Lord are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Our New Testament reading is taken from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6. I'll be beginning with verse 6. These are the words that Jesus offers to his disciples as he commissions them to do his work. Listen now to the word of God. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Whenever, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Pray God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some of you, I'm going to ask you to uh, think back over a number of decades as I'm going to be reflecting on this person. His name was Roberto Clemente. Does anybody remember him? He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I grew up in Pittsburgh, and so, you know, he played right field. Everybody wanted to be Roberto Clemente, and I remember when I played Little League Baseball, and they were handing out numbers. Everybody wanted number 21, because that was his. 
So I was a pretty fervent fan of the Pirates and watched them on TV when they played. And on this particular day, uh, a pitcher decided to establish his territory with Roberto. And so he threw the ball right at him at the upper part of his body, and Clemente went down right to the dirt. And then he got up and brushed off his uniform. But what I remember watching this game, and again, I was pretty young at the time, is the way he glared at the pitcher after being knocked down. And he stood up and he just continued to glare at him and got back in the batter's box and then he fouled off a couple more pitches and then that next pitch, Roberto scorched one right up the middle past the pitcher's ear. I was watching the game with my dad. I said, do you think he did that on purpose? He said, yeah, I think he did. Well, the message was clear. That image of Roberto standing in the batter's box, brushing the dirt off his uniform and glaring down at that pitcher who threw at him came to mind when I was reflecting on the verses that were just shared a moment ago in the Gospel of Mark. Here, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to do the work of disciples, making others into followers of Jesus. And he sent them out two by two. He gave them authority to do ministry in his name. They were to take the barest of necessities to do this work. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. They were to stay in people's homes, show compassion on those who were suffering. And then Jesus says this to them. If any place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Which is to say, when you come to a place and you fail, when you come to that place and people don't want to listen to what you have to say, and they turn you away, shake off the dust and move on. Now, it seems to me that action is an important component of the Christian life. You know, if we want to be faithful followers of Jesus, if we want to truly be his disciples and we want to grow in our faith and our discipleship, we need to learn the art of dusting off. Because let's face it, there are many times when life knocks us down. I'm talking about our own personal failures. You know, those disciples who Jesus commissioned to do his work, it was hard work. They all set out with good intentions to do what Jesus was asking them to do, and and often they met up with resistance and oftentimes the hostility toward the words that they were trying to offer. We're trying to give you the good news is what they were saying to them, that Jesus is the hope of the world, and yet so many people wanted nothing to do with it. Many were indifferent. Others were just too busy to listen. You know, and I can envision those disciples, you know, coming back at the end of the day and standing with their heads hung low, thinking, we have failed our master. I think we can identify with that kind of sense of failure. If not with the work of the gospel, then as it relates to our own personal failures, 
those endeavors that fall in the lanes of our lives. You know, I think of a father who sees his son making the same destructive choices that he made when he was a young man. And as he watches his son and the consequences of his actions, he's saying, maybe if I had been a better father, this wouldn't be happening. Or ask the mother who sees her daughter suffering through the pain of an abusive relationship, thinking to herself, maybe if I had been there more for her, she would avoid have avoided this destructive marriage. Or I think of a man who started his own business, a business which thrived for many years and then over time dwindled down to next to nothing and he had to close it down. What could I have done differently? I wanted to provide for my family all good intentions that he had. The counsel of Jesus, when this happens, is to shake off the dust. And yet, admittedly, it's hard to do. Because too often we allow our failures to define who we are. I remember in my army chaplain days, a female soldier approached me and began to talk about an inappropriate relationship she had with another soldier in the unit. And in this particular case that she was talking to me about, like it, it sounded like it had happened some time ago. And I said, well, when, when did this occur? And she said, three years ago. And I said, is this the first time you've been able to talk about this? And she said, oh, no, I've talked to a lot of people about it. I've even talked to my husband about it, different people in the unit, the first sergeant. Later, I discovered I was probably the last person to know about what had happened. But this woman, she was obsessed with revisiting her failure. You know, I liken it to somebody, you know, mowing their lawn and continuing to cut the same swatch of grass rather than moving on to the next lane that needed cut. That's not shaking off the dust. That's wallowing in it. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, which was read from a moment ago, God spoke to a wayward people, a people in exile. And the good news for them was that they had paid for their sins, and now it was time for them to return to their homeland and start anew. He speaks words of hope as he promises them that they will be restored as a people. And then he says these words. He says these words. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. We ought not keep remembering what God himself has promised to forget. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. God will forgive. You see, what matters with God is what we do when life knocks us down. Whether it be because of what someone else has done to us or that we have done to ourselves. How we respond to failure is our true test of our faith and our discipleship. Let me give you an example of a real-life person. This man that I'm speaking of was born into the world in poverty. He had very little education. His goal in life was to become a postmaster. And he achieved that goal and then lost that job in two years. 
He tried going into business for himself. He bought a store. The store failed, and he went bankrupt. He tried a career in the army, and he went into the army as a captain, and he came out a sergeant. He fell in love with a woman, and she died before they were able to marry. He ran for political office and was defeated. He ran again and was beaten again. And finally, he ran again. His heart was given over to the question, will democracy have a chance? And he hoped that his election to political office would prevent the states from seceding. He was elected. The states seceded anyway. Does everybody know who I'm talking about? That's this man. Let me give you another example, another life. This man was a very poor student. Even though he came from a place of privilege, his family uh, was a privileged family, he was last in his class in the boarding school that he attended. And three times he tried to pass the college entrance exams. And two times he failed them. The third time he hired a tutor who worked with him for several weeks. And finally he passed and he was accepted and he graduated at the bottom of his class. When he graduated from college, the dean of the school said, you know, he not so much went, much went through college as he did under it. The teachers who taught him called him a dullard, not suitable for political office or anything requiring significant responsibility. And who was this man, do you think? This man. Are you familiar with Winston Churchill, the, the great prime minister of Great Britain, who led them through the darkest days of World War II? And he spoke about their finest hour and their resistance to the Nazi powers. You notice in the words from Jesus, as he's instructing his disciples to do the work of the gospel, you know, and he says, you know, when you find people who don't want to listen to you, he says, as you leave, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. A testimony is a statement of belief. The statement is, is that we will not stop. We will not relent. We will not waver. Your antagonism toward the gospel will not bring an end to the work of Christ Jesus that he has set us out to do in his name. Your cynicism will not have the last word. The hope of Christ will. And notice the, the forward-moving action of this statement. As you leave, shake off the dust. As you move forward, to the next town. The life of Jesus was all about looking ahead, forward, not behind. And the religious people of his days, they wanted him to, to turn the clock back to the way life used to be when it was good for them. Jesus was about looking forward. Jesus said this, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're plowing a field, you want to keep your eyes on what has yet to be plowed, not on what has already been plowed in the back of you. 
The Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, would say in his letter to the Philippians, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, the Apostle Paul had a lot of things in his life that he wanted to forget because he was the primary persecutor of the Christian church responsible for the deaths of many of those early Christians. And Paul experienced firsthand the one who allowed him to forget. He knew in a personal way the forgiveness of Jesus which was greater than Paul's sin and past hatreds. So I mentioned that uh, little story about Roberto Clemente, how he scorched that line drive right past the pitcher's head after being knocked down. But I recall another time Clemente getting knocked down. Pitchers were intimidated by him, so they would knock him down trying to intimidate him. And I remember this time he did the same thing, brushing himself off, getting back into the botter's box, glaring that pitcher down, except this time, Roberto struck out. And what I recall is him calmly walking back to the dugout, putting his bat back in the proper place and his batting helmet, and then sitting down on the bench with the other players. No temper tantrum, no stomping or yelling. And that's because he knew he had two more at-bats in that game. And he knew that even if he struck out again, well, there was tomorrow. And if tomorrow he went 0 for 4 in that game, well, there was the next day after that. That is the kind of attitude God is looking for in his faithful followers. Looking forward. Forward thinking. Forward trusting that God will see us, see us through. Because the shame of the Christian life It's not in the failure. It's in the quitting. Amen. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. To him be the power and the glory now and forever. Amen and amen.